This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. Welcome to the podcast. This is Patrick Ryan, President of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Today we're going to be talking about U.S.-European relations, especially in the area of trade and investment, but we'll also be talking about some of the issues within the the European Union, such as the uh, exit of the United Kingdom uh, from the European Union, uh, which uh, takes effect uh, officially midnight on the 31st of January a uh, day uh, after uh, the day that we're recording this episode. Uh, with us today is uh, the head of the trade and agriculture section at the delegation of the European Union to the United States. It's an office based in Washington. It's the uh, main delegation to the United States uh, for uh, the relationship between the European Union and the U.S. Uh, Thomas Bart is the head of the trade and agriculture section at the EU delegation to the U.S., Between 2016 and 2018, Thomas was the head of unit for trade strategy at the European Commission's Directorate General for Trade, known as the DG Trade. He led the team responsible for the development and implementation of the 2015 Trade for All strategy and the 2017 Communication on a Balanced and Progressive Trade Policy to Harness Globalization. In this capacity, Thomas also coordinated DG Trade's work on questions relating to the withdrawal of the United Kingdom from the European Union, including the preparatory discussions of the future EU-UK trade relationship. Prior to becoming a head of unit from 2014 to 2016, Thomas was an assistant to Director General for Trade Jean-Luc Demarte, advising on a number of trade priorities such as the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, known as TTIP, and the World Trade Organization negotiations in the run-up to the 10th Ministerial Conference in Nairobi, Kenya. Thomas holds an MSc from the London School of Economics and an MA from the Catholic University of Leuven, Belgium. He spent a term at the Graduate Institute of International Development Studies in Geneva, Switzerland, and completed the Mastering Trade Policy Program at the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. So you'll uh, enjoy listening to Thomas Bart talk about the EU-U.S. relations, uh, the situation with Brexit, the relationship between the United States and the European Union, and some of the current global issues affecting uh, that relationship and uh, global prosperity. So we thank you for joining the podcast today, and we now present Thomas Bart from the European Union delegation to the United States. Welcome to the Global Tennessee Podcast. I'm Patrick Ryan. Today we're talking with Thomas Bart. He's with the delegation of the European Union to the United States, where he serves as the head of trade and agriculture. Uh, Thomas, welcome to Nashville. Thanks for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you, Patrick. Great to be here. And uh, you're here representing the European uh, delegation in the U.S. Tell us a little bit about uh, the mission that the delegation has. Why why is uh, there a delegation 
and a trade and agriculture guy here uh, in Nashville and in the U.S. Of course. Well, the European Union is a, is a UPO, an unidentified political object. People, <laughs> people don't know us very well. So I, I, I need to explain a little bit who we are. We are still today 28 member states, but soon we'll, we'll lose one of our bigger member states. Uh, but despite that, we are the single uh, largest single market, internal market in the world, a, a group of countries that came together fundamentally around the, po the promise of, of building peace and prosperity in Europe. And that was our original mandate. It's still very much part of our, our mandate moving forward as we look at the world, as we look at the global challenges. And of course, trade is a, is a very important uh, challenge. We have pooled our resources at home. We have uh, a market where you can move freely, you can trade freely. And that's also the value and the standard that we're taking, uh, we're taking over overseas, we're taking abroad. Uh, we have come together, we have created a single market, and we have a single voice in our internal, uh, international relations rather on, uh, on the economic scene. So our trade policy is a common policy, is a common commercial policy. We interact with countries uh, through that single voice. We conclude uh, trade agreements and we set the rules of the game as one block, as one economic block, and that is what the European Union is. And so we have an, a delegation, much like uh, member states and other third countries have embassies in Washington. We have a, around 100 people uh, there, and, and trade, of course, is a very important uh, part of the conversation. So and, and the antecedent to the uh, EU uh, derived after World War II, an effort to uh, uh, stitch together the European countries into... Uh, a common cause, and, and uh, the economics emerged from that. Absolutely. I mean, it all started actually with coal and steel. We, we, we created at the time back in the 50s what was the European community on steel and coal. And it, was, it wasn't so much about steel and coal. It was all about coming together and working together and doing that on, on key sectors at the time and, uh, and really building what is now a, a, an economic union, a monetary union, but also a political union, uh, an ever closer union of, of very diverse member states that, of course, remain sovereign uh, in their own rights. Uh, but that have really come together and, and worked together very much on, on key challenges from climate change to trade and other international uh, issues. And of course, we, we, we represent ourselves to the world. We interact with other countries, including the, the United States in Washington, uh, on these key issues as we, uh, as we look to, uh, to build our, our relationship and as we try to share our values and our interests and, uh, and, and, and take them uh, around the world. Now, we, uh, from time to time, talk to um, ambassadors and consuls general from individual member states of the e European Union, and they frequently are talking about trade promotion, and that's not what the EU delegation is involved in. You're quite right, Patrick. We, we really do the big picture stuff. We set the rules of the game. We negotiate trade agreements and, and the trade rules. Um, but our member states, 27 soon, um, they are really competing, uh, each one of them, for attracting investment, for promoting exports. Uh, and that is why they have, of course, their own embassies uh, in Washington, but they also have consuls general around the country. And, and they, they are really doing the trade promotion game, if I can put it that way. We do the big trade policy stuff, the, the negotiations, um, some of the, the, the bigger management of the relationship, uh, but the more micro, say, promotion activities are done by member states. And our, our listeners can look back through our uh, archive of podcasts. We uh, talked to five consuls general from uh, the Atlanta area who were in Nashville uh, some months ago, and uh, they, they represented uh, their individual countries uh, in talking about trade. So you can find that on uh, our archive on soundcloud.com slash TNWAC. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the 27 plus one. We're recording this uh, January 30th, the day before uh, the plus one disappears at midnight Brussels time. Uh, what's uh, what, what's your uh, outlook on that? Well, 
Patrick, we're obviously a little bit sad that we're losing a family member. Uh, at the same time, we've become a little bit smaller, just like we became much bigger over the years. And and, and, and we're referring to the United Kingdom, uh, the, the Brexit. We're referring to Brexit, indeed. We're losing the United Kingdom. We've we've gained a lot of new members over, over time, and we're losing one. A, a country that, that took a sovereign decision, of course, that we need to respect uh, to leave the European Union. And I think we have uh, spent a lot of time now in trying to make sure that we have the best possible and orderly Brexit uh, with a withdrawal agreement that will then lead to a so-called uh, transition phase. And that, that phase really gives us the time to think and to talk about the future trade relationship we want to have with the, uh, with the United Kingdom, so between the United Kingdom and the European Union. Um, so we're sad, but at the same time, uh, we are, we're still strong. We are a European Union uh, that, is, that is strong, that is united, um, that has a lot of uh, citizens, consumers, uh, and, and that gives us the weight and the authority also to engage uh, around the world, on, including on issues like, uh, like trade policy. Will the uh, departure of the United Kingdom from the European Union possibly affect the attitudes of some member states in the EU towards considering uh, similar exits? Well, every every member states will will have to sort of evaluate the the benefits of of, of their membership uh, on its own. I think everyone, the whole world, has been able to watch and witness really how difficult it is uh, to uh, to leave the European Union because there's there's really a lot of benefits to to, to being a member of the club. Um, the whole Brexit negotiation since the referendum in June 2016 shows. Uh, that there's a lot of value, there's a lot of uh, benefits of, of, of being a member. And, and I think the UK will, uh, they have taken their decision, but they will have to see how, uh, how costly it will be for them as they leave what is un- ultimately the largest uh, single market in the world, where there's free movement of people, of services and, and goods and capital, of course. And so there's a lot of benefits to that club. So I don't see any other member state uh, following suit. I can only observe that I see several others that are still knocking on our doors to join that club and to really get the benefits from from that um, from that membership. What do, what do you see as the big issues that need to be hammered out between now and December 31st this year? Well, there's a lot of issues to, to be hammered out, but trade and, and speaking the, on, about the issue that I know, know best, trade is, of course, a big one. Uh, the economic relationship will need to be uh, figured out. Um, the UK has put a certain number of so-called red lines on the table. They don't want to uh, be part of the, the EU legislation that we have. They do not want to be subject to a European court. Um, and so basically that means they have ruled out a number of options and that leaves uh, the option of what we call a free trade agreement or, or an FTA. Um, and that is the, the kind of promise, the, the idea that we have both uh, inscribed into what is now uh, the withdrawal agreement. And so now we have a, a, a sort of nine months almost to, to try and figure out uh, how we can negotiate the best possible uh, future relationship that would be a free trade agreement with uh, a number of commitments also on upholding the, the, the level of protection of the environment and flavor, um, just to name a few a few areas. So that is what we're looking at. I think that's that's really the big issue, but it's of course not the only issue that needs to be uh, fleshed out and figured out in the next uh, few months. Now, we've seen articles over the past, well, we're what, in the three years of the post-referendum uh, talking about the impact in Britain of the uh, the Brexit and they were worried about some horror stories of no no trucks being uh, sent over on ferries and backups at ports and uh, all that is worked out so there there won't be chaos on Saturday morning. 
we don't have a cliff edge scenario that we were very worried about and I think we should all be worried about uh, because we're not really served by uncertainty. Uncertainty is what we need to avoid, in particular in the trade area. Sure. Business can deal with complexity. We've seen that, but business cannot deal very well with uncertainty and that's perhaps also a point in, in the transatlantic trade relationship which I'm sure we'll talk about more. But on, on, on the Brexit side, we have now uh, an orderly withdrawal. Um, the transition period uh, provides for uh, a, a, a period where the United Kingdom will be part of the single market and the customs union. So basically, they, are, they leave the European Union, but they are still able to trade under broadly the same terms as, as, as when they were uh, a member. And that is the time uh, that we will use to negotiate a, a, a free trade agreement. Uh, that will be uh, the future relationship between the European Union and, and the United Kingdom. One last question on Brexit. One of the sticking points uh, for the British was the Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland border and whether it would be open or not the uh the backstop. Can you tell people what that is, was all about? Well, I think it was about something very simple and basic, which is the idea, uh, just as I mentioned, that Europe is about peace and prosperity, that we also maintain peace on the on the island of Ireland and that we respect uh, the, the the Good Friday Agreement um, that both sides uh, were The were, Republic were of Ireland committed. being an EU member and, and remaining so. That's correct, indeed. And so as we have uh, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, it's very important that we do not have uh, a, a border there uh, that, 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 that does not incite any violence or any uh, return to, uh, to, to, to old days. Um, and so both sides were politically very committed to to making sure that we uphold uh, the Good Friday Agreement. It so happened that it that it is of course a, a, an issue that is politically important, but that is also technically challenging in terms of making sure that we we protect the integrity of our single market and and our customs union, uh, while of course uh, letting the United Kingdom to to take back control over over their own territory uh, completely and fully. Um, and so there is where that's where a compromise has been worked out now with that precise aim of um, of having uh, peace on, on the island of Ireland and, and allowing trade still to happen uh, across uh, across the two parts of the island. And, and there'll be somewhat of a virtual border across the Irish Sea where trade going in one direction will be um, monitored and not in the other direction? Yeah, that is right. Michel Barnier, our, our chief uh, Brexit negotiator, has been clear that there will have to be some form of checks then between uh, Great Britain on the one hand and, uh, and Northern Ireland on the other hand, so as to allow that trade to happen in a frictionless manner on the island of, of Ireland. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to work hard, and, and as the British used to like to say, the, the proof of the pudding stay, is in the eating. Stay tuned. Uh, okay. Stay tuned. Um, but but I do I do think we have an orderly withdrawal agreement, and, and we look forward to now working on a on a very good uh, future trade relationship. Okay. Well, you talked you mentioned briefly about the transatlantic relationship. Let's let's look at uh, U.S. Uh, European Union uh, trade. Um, how's it going? Well, it's been challenging. It's been trying times. Uh, it's been certainly interesting to be based in, in Washington in, the, in, these, in these days uh, because we are seeing a lot of uh, tensions in the transatlantic trade relationship. I think fundamentally uh, we, 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 we're hearing a lot about a, a trade deficit, but I sometimes wonder whether there's not a trust deficit, whether people fundamentally uh, appreciate uh, what Europe stands for. Um, when I listen to some in Washington, we, we are seen as part of the problem uh, rather than, and, than being that partner that we are. Well, the, the, defi that, the that deficit being more goods and services are coming from the EU to the US than... Yeah, well, actually, to be precise, it's more goods only. It's, we're, we're, we're talking about goods when we hear about the trade deficit. So we, we export more goods uh, than we import from, from the United States. We actually import more services because there's so many good, especially digital services coming out of California. 
um, which which really proves my point that we are uh, talking about a very balanced relationship. Trade is always a two-way street, and so we need to appreciate that. We are sure. fundamentally trying to have a, a win-win uh, relationship, um, but that means that we need to trust each other. We need to focus on on positive uh, a positive agenda and avoid the threats that we've been hearing. Uh, the imposition of, of tariffs, for example, has been a recurring uh, threat that we've been hearing and that we don't think uh, the European Union, as the, the, the ally and the partner that we are, uh, that we should be, uh, should be facing. Right. Well, we, uh, we've noticed that the occupant of the Oval Office tends to see the question of uh, the, the number of dollars in trade deficits as, as being a sticking point in, in uh, moving into other conversations. So I, I, I wish you luck in the delegation's work in Washington. Well, thank you. Um, U.S. Uh, or Tennessee-EU trade investment. We, we've got uh, an infographic that will be uh, linked to in our podcast notes uh, for those who want to look at uh, some details, if, if there are any trade nerds out there who want to do a deep dive into some of these numbers. But, uh, uh, Thomas, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Tennessee and the European Union? Well, great, Patrick. The first thing I would really like to say is that when uh, Americans look at Europe, they, they tend to look at us as being a very diverse bunch of people, but you, you, you tend to underestimate how united we are. But Europeans, when we look at the United States, we think you're all very united, but you're actually more diverse than we, <laughs> than, than we, than we think you are. And so part, part of the interest we have in coming out to the country, the real world, the real America, is, is, it, is in discovering the diversity, uh, really. And it's great to be in Tennessee, and it's great to be in Nashville, and, and really see how we are uh, speaking about the very same subjects that we, that we talk about in Washington, but, but in, a, in a very positive and a very constructive uh, way. Now, the EU is, is your number one partner overall uh, for the United States. States. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're a close second after Canada for the state of Tennessee, but we're definitely number two here. Um, 47 states trade more with the European Union than they trade with China, for example. Everyone thinks that you, you, you trade all with China sure. all the time, but it's, it's really the EU that is your partner. Well, that's the relationship in the news mostly. That's right. And that's a trade relationship that we have in the transatlantic context, but that's also very much an investment relationship. But Because, of course, we're not just shipping stuff and containers to one another. We are mm -hmm. um, also uh, investing very much uh, in, in, the, in the United States overall and in the state of Tennessee, of course, with a lot of US, EU investment here. And, 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 and I'm glad you, you, you're picking up on our statistics there. Uh, we're talking about uh, 46, 47,000 jobs from trade and, and about 102,000 uh, jobs from, from investment in the state of Tennessee alone. So, so those are the kind of close relationships that we have. Those are the, 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 that's the connection that we need to value, really, um, and that we need to build on as, as we look forward and as we try to uh, remove trade barriers, the remaining uh, few barriers that we have. Uh, but there's a lot of great, uh, great examples of investment, European investment in the state here. Uh, there's, there's, of course, Volkswagen and uh, cars being a very important European export product, but also an investment here. Right. Chattanooga definitely uh, hit the in a, uh, a very positive uh, economic uh, impact with the uh, investment from Volkswagen in the Chattanooga area. That's right, but it's not just that. I mean, it's 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 bourbon whiskey. Uh, where we we like uh, we like a good glass ourselves, and we we tend to to share our best products with you, and we're happy to buy your best products. And and that again really shows how this is a two way street, and and how together we're stronger, uh, and, and how we need to work together, not just for the sake of the bilateral relationship, but I think also to really make sure that the world out there uh, is 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 respecting the the rules of the road. Uh, that we are the, the ones that, that are the rule makers, not the rule takers, and, mm -hmm. and that we confront common challenges like, for example, the rise of China 
and uh, and the, the, the kind of state capitalism that we have seen uh, in in the global markets uh, that have distorted trade and have created unfair competition for uh, EU as well as U.S. companies alike. So we've uh, we've looked at uh, you mentioned some of the numbers here, but uh, clearly the volume of trade, uh, 8.23 billion in exports from Tennessee to the EU is important to our, our local market here. But uh, looking again at the big picture, the U.S.-EU trade, what what are where's what's the state of play of, uh, of trade agreements and uh, what are the the speed bumps in trade? You know, we've been trading with the EU uh, for decades now, so. Why, why are we uh, grinding our teeth at this point? Well, we, we, we are trading on a daily basis. Three billion a day is being traded every day between the, the European Union and the United States. And so things are going well, and, and we should not take that for granted. Our relationship is strong. Our relationship is good. But we always tend to focus, I would say, you know, in every relationship, you tend to focus on things that are not going so well. And there's always a few issues. There's always a few irritants. But I think it's important that we are mature, as mature partners, that we're able to to manage our, our trade irritants, our disputes that we have and that we've always had. Um, and at the same time that we really find and define a, a, a positive agenda, an agenda that allows us to work together that, that allows us to remove barriers and to make trade even easier across borders uh, in the transatlantic context, just like we want to make it uh, easier and freer and fairer around the world. So I think we have an agenda, um, a positive agenda of working together bilaterally, dealing with some of the barriers. Um, we're, we're somewhat frustrated that we can't export products as basic as apples and pears to the whole United States. Um, and I'm sure if, if you would speak to U.S. negotiators, they, they will have their own wish list of things they would like to do more business uh, in with, with the European Union. So it's about rekindling the romance in our relationship a, a little bit and finding a way to talk to each other European again. romance, there's a good way to package it. We are partners. We are allies. We like siblings. We, we like to fight, but fundamentally we're close. We're, we're, uh, sure. we're, uh, we're a family. And so I think that's important that we, that we respect and appreciate the value of the relationship. And that also means avoiding tariffs, avoiding these threats that we have been uh, hearing about uh, all the time, actually. Well, this week, The Economist has a headline, still frosty despite a truce, U.S.-EU trade relations are still tense. It talks about uh, Mr. Trump talking with Mr. Uh, President Macron uh, about uh, the collection of revenues and uh, one of the main issues. You talked about digital services like Google and Facebook, uh, but there's still... Um, Still not uh, seeing eye to eye on some of these things. What, what, right. are the, what are the prospects? Well, the important thing is here we're talking about uh, digital taxation. Uh, we, we want fair taxation in the digital economy. I think that's a, a clear objective uh, for us, but it's also, but it's also a, an important point for, for the United States. And it's important that on those new issues, really, that we come together and that we set the standards, again, that we are the rule makers and not, not the rule takers, um, so it's important that we keep that we keep talking. Um, I think Europe uh, is, is moving as as, as as the first one in a way uh, in a lot of these in a lot of these areas. We have uh, introduced uh, data privacy, data protection regulations. We're now uh, looking to have uh, digital taxation policies, and it's important that we come together, that we work uh, together. I think it's it's very positive uh, that the the conversation between the French President uh, Macron and, and uh, President Trump. Has led to a to a truce and really buys us more time to uh, to to talk uh, with one another. I can definitely add from a European Union perspective, we're all about avoiding market fragmentation and avoiding that we essentially have 28 or 27 individual responses to the same problem. So mm -hmm. let's come together. We come together as a European Union to really come up with one response to the, to one problem. Um, and if we can do that to, together with the United States, that's even that's even better. And I think there's a lot of global challenges out there. 
Uh, I think artificial intelligence needs to be regulated. Um, I think cybersecurity will, will require a lot of our attention. And so uh, we're hopeful that we will find a way to, uh, again, to talk to each other, to cooperate and to, uh, to set new standards. Well, let's hope for uh, continued European-American romance. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is the Global Tennessee Podcast. We're talking with Thomas Bart, the uh, trade and agriculture head of uh, the delegation of the European Union to the United States. Uh, we will be back in just a minute to talk about uh, more uh, U.S.-European uh, political and trade challenges, uh, what's on the horizon, and uh, what, uh, what issues we should be looking at uh, to overcome in our, our mutual relationship. Uh, this is the Global Tennessee Podcast from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We'll be right back. You're listening to Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council. We invite you to share your thoughts with us in email, info at tnwac.org. You can subscribe to the World Affairs Council newsletter on the website, tnwac.org. And you can like us on Facebook at Tennessee WAC, as well as follow us on Twitter at TN. W-A-C. Don't forget to tell your friends about Global Tennessee and the World Affairs Council. This podcast and other educational programs from the World Affairs Council are supported by you and our sponsors. Are you interested in supporting global affairs awareness in your community? Visit tnwac.org for more information. Welcome back to the Global Tennessee Podcast. I'm Pat Ryan. Uh, we are talking with Thomas Bart, the trade and agriculture head of uh, uh, the delegation from the European Union to the United States. Uh, Thomas is here in Nashville for the day uh, visiting uh, Vanderbilt University and here with the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, Thomas, thanks again for taking time to be with us. It's my pleasure. Uh, we left off with um, uh, European-U.S. Uh, uh, romance on uh, trade and, and rebuilding uh, our, our confidence with one another. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the uh, issues uh, going on. As, as we record this, uh, the World Health Organization has just declared coronavirus uh, a global health emergency. Uh, what, what is that, uh, how does that impact trade? Is there any, anything there? You, you mentioned uncertainty. I'm, I'm sure that this evolving story um, is not good for business people trying to plan. No, exactly. I think uncertainty is, is the word that I, that I think of as this virus may travel uh, around China, perhaps around the world, and I hope that will not be the case. Uh, trade may suffer from from that, uh, as as markets uh, may. I, I assume a certain nervousness uh, is already uh, present in, in in markets, and so we might see a further a further impact there. I think one of the questions I'll be interested to see is what is the impact on China's economy now in the short term. And, and let's not forget that China and the United States have just concluded and signed a phase one deal with certain commitments, including purchasing commitments that we're not necessarily a fan of in, in Europe, because, uh, of course, we prefer China to buy our products, our, our aircraft and our our, our agricultural uh, products. Um, but we'll need to see what, what is China's ability now to, uh, yeah, to, 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 to honor those commitments, to buy those products, uh, and what, what that means for, for the global value chains, really, because a lot, of, uh, a lot of trade is being done with China, a lot of products are being produced there. Uh, based on on imports from Europe and, and exports that that come through to Europe uh, as, as well as the United States, and they're a major engine in the global economy. So global GDP uh, could take a substantial hit. Absolutely, I think this 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 uh, virus again will show how how interconnected we all are, and uh, that's that's a point for to be sure a health yeah. and a trade and a travel perspective. But but really the value chains, uh, I think the, the value chains we, we we very much cherish, uh, but I think we'll see. Uh, 
we'll see the impact there and how these these kinds of things travel across countries, across borders, sure. uh, and have an impact uh, around the world, really, right. in a short period of time. Yeah, it's uh, clearly a humanitarian uh, crisis, but uh, also touches uh, global commerce. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, in the world of uh, politics, the uh, state of confidence in uh, the United States. There's been a lot of surveys and uh, anecdotes about uh, how our partners uh, don't see the United States in the same light as some years ago. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Well, I, w- I would start f- from a, a Washingtonian perspective that um, our, our sentiment is often that we Europeans are seen as part of as, as a problem more than as a partner. So, so I think that is where, where it starts. I mean, I'm hearing regularly now um, sort of opinions that Europe was created as a, as a response to the United States, as a sort of a protectionist response, and that we are hiding behind a fortress Europe and, and, and treat the United States unfairly. That is incorrect. I would even say that is fake news. Um, that is not at all uh, the case. We were very much uh, uh, created with the full support of, of, of the United States as a, as, a, as a market, but also as a, as a democracy uh, that, that meant to overcome uh, the, the strife and war and, uh, and, and, and conflict uh, that, that we had in Europe. And so we were really, uh, we are really uh, the, the United States' closest partner and, 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 and ally, and I think we've been fighting wars together. Uh, we've stood shoulder to shoulder. It's, uh, it's, it's of course, difficult for us to now uh, be told that we are no longer seen uh, or that partnership is no longer seen in the same way as, as it used to. So our message is, of course, clear. We are still very much a partner. We're still very much an ally. We work together. This is also why I'm here and why I'm waving our flag and looking for opportunities for, for further cooperation and investment, of course. Um, and so I think that's the, that's the approach uh, that, that, that we take. But to your point and your question, I think, indeed, this, this does certainly have a, a, an impact on, on the U.S. Uh, reputation and the perception of, uh, of, of the United States around the world. And I think that's something uh, Americans should, should, should certainly think about, um, that uh, we, 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 we see America also differently sometimes, and we, uh, we are worried by, by some of the messages, some of the, some of the, some of the sounds that, that are coming out of Washington these days. Well, you, you mentioned uh, fighting together, and, and the relationship transcends the trade and investment. At, uh, uh, if we look at the NATO uh, alliance, uh, generations of, of working together and uh, being ready to uh, to fight together. Uh, so some of us who place great value in the uh, transatlantic alliance, uh, both the military political but also the uh, trade and investment, uh, are concerned about the health of, of uh, how we view one another and that uh, we, we do continue to work together as partners. What are some of the other issues the EU is uh, looking at, whether trade and investment or political affairs? I know we have issues with uh, Ukraine and uh, Eastern Europe and Russian expansionism and gas pipelines uh, into uh, Northern Europe. Uh, I'll, I'll let you pick from the basket of things that uh, – when the people in Brussels wake up in the morning that, that they're concerned about? Well, if I still stay a little bit in the trade sphere, uh, one of the big concerns we have uh, relates to kind of the international trade architecture that we have and that we've built together with the United States. I'm thinking in particular of the World Trade Organization, an organization that is in existence since 1995, but where we came together, uh, like in many other areas after the Second World War, and really uh, established the rule of law in international commerce. And so that is something we've created uh, and we've built together. I think it's time to rebuild that together now. Uh, the system is under siege. Um, they're, 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 we need to save it. We need to strengthen it. And I think we really need to come together to have more 
global governance there. Uh, the the other thing, uh, China, of course, is a is a is an issue. I'm, I think we share a lot of the the diagnosis uh, with the U.S. administration now on what is essentially a large public footprint that we see on China's private markets. Uh, the, the 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 distortions, the trade distortions through subsidies. There's IP theft, intellectual property rights are being stolen. There's forced technology transfer uh, clauses and provisions that um, our investors have to to face, and I think we need to solve them. That's that's really. Uh, an issue that that shakes up the um, the, uh, the the whole trading environment, but if I can take two perhaps uh, non-trade issues, sure. I'm thinking also of a, of our new European Commission that we have in place since the first of December, a commission led by uh, Ursula von der Leyen. She has put forward our our green transformation as well as our digital transformation as two priorities. So we will have uh, what we call a European Green Deal. We have uh, put ourselves the commitment of be- becoming the first carbon-neutral continent by 2050. Um, just like we uh, we are trying to, trying to have a, a, a digital uh, internal market, a digital single market, um, so that digital transformation, another source of growth and jobs and and innovation that is really critically important as we move forward, both of which come with their own challenges, be sure. it uh, disinformation, uh, hate speech, and and other questions. And these are also things we uh, we tend to see uh, that come up in in the transatlantic relationship. But on on each of these issues, uh, you can pick any. I think there's a great potential for cooperation. There's a great potential for the biggest democracies in the world to come together, really, uh, to share our values, to spread our values, and to to share those interests and uh, and really make this place a better uh, this this world a better place. Well, this has been a great conversation. We've been talking with Thomas Bart, the trade and agriculture head of the delegation from the European Union to the United States. Uh, Thomas, any uh, last thoughts uh, you'd like to share on? your visit to Tennessee and your your mission to uh, the United States? I will be back. It's a great state. It's a great uh, city. I'm a, a huge fan of music myself. Um, and so as I enjoy the, the diversity of, of the United States of America, I'll definitely come back to enjoy the, the diversity that Nashville has to offer. Great. Thank well, so thanks much. for coming and thanks for spending time uh, today with our podcast. Uh, this is Patrick Ryan with the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening. Uh, please take a look at tnwac.org, our website where you can find information about becoming a member or donating to the World Affairs Council. We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational group. Uh, we work in the community and in schools, and we produce this podcast for your enjoyment. If you appreciate what we do, please uh, take a look at our website and consider becoming a member or making a donation. Uh, that's it. This is uh, Patrick Ryan with the World Affairs Council, and we look forward to uh, bringing you uh, another podcast uh, in a very short time. Thanks. Bye. This has been Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday, technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee as well as the Penn Jones Conspiracy. I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit tnwac.org podcast for more information.